coming up. Demonic Barters, a wisecracking partner, and a muscle-bound martyr. Also, retconning the Bible, Ask the Goat, and Did the Devil Make Chris Benoit Do It? All that, plus the other crap you keep telling us you like, right here on Kiss the Goat. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. My name is X, and this is Kiss the Goat. Light a candle for the sinners, set the world on fire. This circle is closed, nothing is true, and everything is permissible. This is episode 25 of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. Please take a moment to open your heads, hearts, and liquor cabinets for the patron saint of Kiss the Goat, Mr. John Carradine. And this is John Carradine. Witches, they pray. I know the secret. Full moon, killing things. I want to take the brain of a lesbian and put it into the body of a man who works for the telephone company. But why? What good will this do anybody? It'll show those fools who call me mad. Huh. 25 episodes. That's pretty impressive if you ask me. I didn't. I was going to, but now I don't have to. That's also impressive. Well, your psychic abilities are incredible. See if you can guess what I'm going to ask next. You want another drink. That's right. My gods, you are... You're no fluke, Jennifer. (laughs) Oh, stop. I'll get you a drink, you goober. Yes, have some. (laughs) We're going to take a few minutes and make sure we have enough alcohol to get us through the show. Maybe you should do the same. Except if you're at work. Especially if you're at work, because work sucks the dick. (laughs) It does. So load up, Acolytes. We'll be right back after these words from our podcasting colleagues. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old-school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms. To see you will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off. And now it's time to visit 
Mr. Robertson's Neighborhood to find out what Reverend Pat has to say to us today. My son recently got married to another man, and now he and his husband are trying to adopt a child. I feel like this would be unfair for the child. What should I do? I think you ought to pray about it, and I think you ought to speak out about it. Uh, if you sincerely feel, as I do, that this is wrong, that it's violating the Scripture, then they need to know it. Uh, but I, I just, this so-called lifestyle, it's, uh, I just can't believe it. They have tried to destroy marriage, and marriage is between a man and a woman. And they've now brought cases to the Supreme Court saying, well, the Defense of Marriage Act is unconstitutional and so forth. So what should you do? Well, you better get on your knees and pray and let the Lord take care of it because there isn't a whole lot else you can do. Bitch, what the fuck was, what the fuck was that? We are back right here on Kiss the Goat, episode number 25. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wish we had picked a cooler movie for our 25th episode. Well, why didn't you? I, I don't I don't know. I think I was still in apocalypse mode from our last episode. Bless the child left quite an impression on me. Well, yeah. <laughs> kind of like getting beaten in the head with a doorknob. <laughs> right? But you know how I like it when I can connect things. And there's definitely some connective tissue between that piece of shit from the last episode and the piece of shit from this episode. Sad but true. But before we get all up in that business, we need to discuss something on a personal level, and we wanted to do it at the top of the news segment. Although it's really got nothing to do with Satan, it does have to do with basic human rights issues. And since it has affected the show on kind of a gut level, we felt we should go ahead and make a public statement. This is Rumor Control. Here are the facts. At midnight of June 28th, Kiss the Goat officially parted ways with the Horrorphilia Network. We had a good run with them. We were often in their top ten for the month, and we are really grateful for the fact that they hosted the show for a year, they pushed it, and they got us out of our living room and into your ear holes, and we will always be appreciative of that. Absolutely. And having said that, there were ideological differences between Kiss the Goat and the man who runs the Horophilia Network that, frankly, were impossible for us to overcome. We've always attempted to be inclusive here at Kiss the Goat. We've never turned anyone away, and we haven't needed to. Um, people have left of their own accord, and you know, with the shit people post on our Facebook group and talk about in there, I can't blame some of them. It's for adults. We are an adult show. But we've always made the concerted attempt to treat everyone equally. And as such, we want to take this opportunity to reiterate that regardless of your belief system, if you come with acceptance and in general aren't a dick to people, then you've got a home with us here at Kiss the Game. But in the light of current events, particularly the opposition of horophilia leadership to the Supreme Court ruling in favor of gay marriage, we made the decision to no longer be affiliated with that network. So if we haven't made it clear, we are in total support of the Supreme Court ruling and have a difficult time understanding people who treat this as a sign of the demise of this country. Remember, people were afraid that society would fall apart when slavery was abolished or when women started driving or voting for that matter. 
And what happened was America lived up to its potential every single time, adapting new ways of thinking, solving problems as they arose, and finally coming together as the true melting pot that we were supposed to be. We may be contentious, but we're still in this together. That's why I'm not putting horophilia on blast. Jason Lloyd and his family are to be commended for their staunch resolve, regardless of whether or not I personally agree with what they've resolved to believe in. And I don't. The decision to leave horophilia was mine and mine alone. I made that call. I'm the one who informed Jason we were leaving, and he took our pages and our posts down immediately. I appreciate that. Now, I had Cootie's support, of course, because I don't do much of anything without that, because we're partners. Right. Well, and this is the cattiest thing that we're going to say. There was a Facebook thread on Jason's personal page, not the network page. Um, But in that post, Jason name-checked Kiss the Goat as some kind of proof that he wasn't prejudiced, prejudiced, rather, and that his religious beliefs had nothing to do with how he runs the network. It, it just, it struck me as odd that he would single us out as if we were some kind of token show to prove how open-minded he is. It, it really did hit me the wrong way. It, it came across as being like the person who says racist things, but when they call, they're called on it, they point out that they have ethnically different friends as proof that they aren't racist. And honestly, I'm not cool with being anyone's token I mean, we're the ones who are saying Hollywood has it wrong. Here's how religion really works. And we end up defending belief systems that we may not actually even adhere to. And that's not to make us sound better than we are. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not limber enough for that. But, you know, who else does that? There's not a show out there that I know of that does that. So anyway, that's the long and the short of it. Uh, We left Horophilia because we think the gay marriage ruling is a fantastic victory for the equal rights movement, and the powers that be at Horophilia do not. So simply, morally, ethically, and personally, we just can't be associated with that. Which is why you are now listening to us on Legion Podcasts. When I pulled the show from Horophilia, I didn't know where to go. I didn't have a plan B. But within 90 minutes, Jamie Jenkins reached out to us and invited us to join the network. Bo Ransell and Jamie have both been absolutely awesome to us in the literally less than a day that we've been with them. And we've received a lot of support from other podcasters and our dear listeners, and we can't even properly express how grateful we are for that. It means, it means more than you know. Absolutely. So we really hope that you'll continue to hang out with us here at Legion Podcasts. And this show is just going to get better and better as time goes on. And that's it. The past is the past. We carry on. Heads held high into the future. And the future is fabulous. (laughs) And now it's time for the kind of hard-hitting investigative reporting you expect from a podcast called Kiss the Goat. Here comes Satan in the news with our intrepid, mild-mannered reporter, Sin Fallon. Mass holes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Matt's hole. <laughs> we didn't even make it back in. <laughs> yes, I'm titling this article Mass Holes. <laughs> I love it. Run with it. Approximately 122 million people will exercise in June in a mass exorcism of an entire country. Old Mexico was targeted for the mass exorcism to rid its inhabitants of such things as, quote, abortion, Satanism, corruption, the cult of holy death, and the legalization of sexual apparitions, end quote. The Magno Exorcismo, or Great Exorcism, aimed the power of the great massel at the, quote, satanic infestation, end quote, of marriage equality in Mexico. Yes, the church believes that equality is the work of the devil, Civil rights should only be reserved for heterosexual Christians. The rest of us are subhuman, deserving less human rights. The Pope said the entire country of Mexico was, quote, being punished by the devil, end quote. The Pope Francis effect has been credited with a recent boom in the demand for exorcisms around the world. The Telegraph reported that the appearance of Pope Francis coincided with a surge in the number of people lining up to claim they were possessed by Lucifer or one of his many lieutenants. The Argentinian pontiff's fire and brimstone language and frequent references to the devil have helped propel belief in Beelzebub back into the mainstream of the Catholic Church, where once it was an embarrassment, end quote. Wow. Massables. Yeah. What precisely is a sexual apparition? <laughs> Are we talking Did like succubi, incubi here? Aberrations, not aberrations. Oh, aberrations. Oh, that's way different. Okay. Did I say aberration? I thought you said apparition, but now that you say aberration, essentially what the Pope is saying is no more donkey shows. No, what they're saying is no more homosexuality. With donkeys. With donkeys. No more homosexual donkeys. Technically, <laughs> if you're having sex with a donkey, it can't be homosexual, can it? Uh, that's interspecies erotica, fucko. Um, <laughs> They've also thrown in there the cult of holy death. I mean, no. So apparently, there was nothing against donkey shows. It's just the homosexuality. Okay. Well, I'm just worried about the tourism trade. <laughs> <laughs> well, the drug cartels are pretty much taken care of. Oh, that's true. <laughs> And that was the whole reference to the um, the cult of holy death. Veneration of sons and Yes, exactly. She protects you from harm if you Yeah, from a violent her. death. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how that's that evil. Going that sounds great to me. Well, <laughs> it's it's not recognized by the Catholic Church. That's the whole problem. Uh, she uh, is not a recognized saint. You know what I say to that? <laughs> Jog on. Exactly. <laughs> One million morons. Thousands of conservative right-wing morons, I mean moms, are directing their energies to having a TV show pulled rather than doing something useful, like being a mother. The group, One Million Moms, is freaking out about a 2016 Fox Fall lineup featuring a fantasy program called Lucifer. The moms moan that the fantasy series violates their Christian morality with, quote, Graphic acts of violence, a nightclub featuring scantily clad women, and a demon. End quote. Sounds more like my teenage years in the Caribbean dance halls than the show, but I digress. 
Lucifer is actually based on a DC comic where the fallen angel grows bored with his reign in hell and retires topside in the City of Angels. There he runs an upscale nightclub and helps the LAPD punish criminals. The One Million's Moms petition has gathered 12,000 signatures, far short of their One Million claim, unless you're using homeschool math. <laughs> These same board housewives also petitioned against Chic Razors and Taco Bell for being too sexually suggestive. <laughs> Taco Bell? Are you exactly <laughs> Taco Bell? <laughs> Look, once you get that burrito folded, it's it's fair game. <laughs> Nachos and hair removal. That's right. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, I shook you not. <laughs> Summer solstice began with bloodshed in Dartmoor. A rare white-faced Dartmoor ewe was sacrificed in what locals are calling a satanic ritual. The sheep's body was dragged across the ground, spilling her blood in a spiral. Her lamb was left unharmed. The farmer said that this is the most recent in nine animal sacrifices in recent years, all of which are being blamed on devil worshippers. A horse was said to be sacrificed on St. Weinbald's Day. Before I go on, have any of you ever heard of that holiday? Saint. Saint who? Yeah, exactly. Did you say Saint Weinbald's? Saint Weinbald. <laughs> That's just me when I'm drunk and clumsy. Weinbald's Day is an alleged satanic holiday said to be celebrated with blood, dismemberment, and sacrifices. But even the existence of such a satanic holiday is only referenced by misinformed, fear-mongering Christians and not any actual satanic sources. Believe me, I did some digging. In fact, the Telegraph article keeps referring to summer solstice or midsummer as a satanic holiday, never-ending attempts to demonize possible pagan rituals. Locals blame a secret satanic cult, but the police aren't so quick to jump the gun and give any credence to satanic accusations. We are talking about England here. A werewolf or even a phantom black dog is almost as likely as a secret satanic cult. <laughs> Stick to the road. Stay off the moors. Stay off the moors. <laughs> Beware the moon. <laughs> so, I don't understand why St. Weinbald's Day is a satanic holiday. Is he a satanic saint? Do they have those? I've never heard of such a thing. In fact, I, I'm like, satanic holidays, I'm like, do those even exist? Because any Satanist I've ever met has been an atheist. So why would they have a holiday? Why, why so, would they have saints? Yeah, so I researched it because it didn't sound right. I mean, the article went on to say at some point a hundred sheep were sacrificed and set up in a, a star shape. I'm like, really? That doesn't sound realistic at all. Either. Nobody's got time for that. Exactly. So I did a lot of digging because this entire article didn't sound credible. So I looked up St. Weinbald's Day, and of course there's very few references of it. The only references you could find of it are in um, extreme Christian links where they list satanic holidays including, you know, summer solstice and the equinox. Um, and they say things that um, are done and it says like kidnapping of a grown man or um, anal sex with a seven-year-old girl. 
Catholics. Wow. Catholics have a saint for everything, don't they? Right. <laughs> Even does any sort of sacrifice. And, you know, let alone... No one celebrates a holiday with child rape. No! <laughs> or kidnapping. I mean, who does that? So, yeah, completely not credible. It's my birthday. Bring me a second grader. <laughs> Ready to rock. Yee. <laughs> I could even publish, I mean, post one of the actual most credible link I found about it. And it was listing all of the so-called satanic holidays and discrediting them. Because the people that were posting that these are satanic holidays, they couldn't even get the days right. And they were talking about, like, equinoxes and solstice in April and or an equinox in April. They were talking about things that aren't even, you know... Not correct. Astronomically possible. The Mabin Massacre. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, it's just ridiculous what I saw. That's, yeah, it was, the whole article is ridiculous. So, for our European listeners, is the Telegraph a total rag, or what? (laughs) No, just partially. Might be a partial (laughs) rag. Who knows? (laughs) Okay. The Presidential Exorcist. In June, Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal threw his hat into the ring to be the next Republican candidate for President of the United States. He may also want to throw some holy water into the ring as he is the first known presidential candidate to have participated in an exorcism. Jindal, who was raised in the Hindu religion, was hiding his Christianity from his Indian parents by reading the Bible by flashlight in the closet. Whereas some Christians in the closet choose to become priests, Jindal chose to become a politician. While studying at Brown University, Jindal made a lady friend. The young woman went through a series of stressful events in a short amount of time, including her friend's suicide and her own cancer diagnosis. Either of these could pose a serious threat to one's emotional or mental health. She began to suffer from visual and olfactory hallucinations, which her family and charismatic church members diagnosed as demonic possession. Of course. of course they did. The girl was deprived of proper medical attention while Jindal and members of the charismatic church prayed and performed a laying on of hands. They shouted at the seizing student, Satan, I command you to leave this woman, demons, to leave in the name of Christ. While she was convulsing and choking, they tried to force her to read scripture. Too bad a presidential candidate in the 21st century doesn't know they make a pill for that. (laughs) Wow, that's, yeah, that's some of the most effective medical treatment I can think of for a seizure, is forcing someone to read. Yeah, uh, that's that's brilliant, actually. I don't know why we hadn't thought of that. Me either. I'm going to take a sip and I'm going to start over. Hold on. Are you having a seizure? Maybe that's what's <laughs> Keep reading. Keep reading. <laughs> Afflicted by witchcraft. Ladies, do you ever get that unclean feeling? Do you listen to Florence and the Machine? Have you ever read a Harry Potter book? Do you enjoy watching horror films such as Rosemary's Baby or The Blair Witch Project? If you said yes to any of these questions, you are clearly afflicted by witchcraft. According to Jennifer Clare, senior editor of Charisma. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly was made crystal clear. Go ahead. Charisma. (laughs) 
Sinclair of Fort Lauderdale, Florida writes, quote, there truly is a revival of the devil's witchcraft and it's far darker today, end quote. But wait, there's more. Claire, Claire goes on to write, quote, in the book of Revelation, God has made it clear the fate of those who practice such things. Sorcerers will have their portion in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, end quote. Because God is love or something. <laughs> Many times, infirmities are rooted in the devil's witchcraft, and sometimes it comes from the spirit of Jezebel. The Bible talks about Jezebel and her witchcrafts. Witchcraft can't heal you, but it can release confusion, sickness and disease, depression and other ailments. At our recent women's conference, Jesus healed 23 ladies, and several of them were afflicted with witchcraft. End quote. Clearly, Claire's own confusion is the result of her own affliction with the devil's witchcraft. I wonder if there's a cream for that. Or a douche. <laughs> her. Sits back. <laughs> Ladies, do you believe in the myth of a female orgasm? You may be afflicted by witchcraft. <laughs> <sighs> Don't push that button. I really like that button. For... Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going. <laughs> Reporting from hell, this is the original sin, Cindy Sin Fallon. Hey, if you can't get enough sin in your life, you can find her through, and really, who can't? Just saying. You can uh -huh. find her through various social media outlets. Uh, follow her on Facebook by doing a search for Cindy Sin Fallon. You can tweet her. Yeah. <laughs> I think she could use a good tweeting. <laughs> I think she would agree. Find her on the Twitters at Beachfile, B-E-E-C-H-P-H-I-L-E. -E. You can join her Facebook group, Modern Witch Executions, Never Again the Burning Times, by doing that Facebook search thing that you kids are so fond of these days. She can also be heard on terrestrial radio somewhere in the blasted lands of the great American Southwest reporting on LGBT issues, a voice of reason crying out in the desert. We're going to take a little break, grab a refill, and when we come back, it's time for Apocalypse Narf as we trudge <laughs> our way through 1999's Ultra Dumb End of Days. Back in a bit. Hey, Cherish. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's some 40s and some bitches, baby. Yeah! Me? I like beer. If you like all that and none of those artsy-fartsy films... Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival! Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how, as raunchy as we can. What's this movie, PG? Oh, yeah. This podcast sure is fucking... Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. <laughs> you don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. <laughs> fucking curb stomp a baby for a baconator right now. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that, come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network.
December 31st, 1999. The end of a century. The end of a millennium. The beginning of the end. He's coming for you, Christine. Can you see him? Who are you? How do you know my name? He's gonna find you, Christine. Get down on the ground! You don't know what you've done! You said here the guy spoke to you. Yeah, so what? The guy doesn't have a tongue. Listen to this. I've seen the earth laid to waste. Take it easy. We're the good guys. They tried to kill me. Why? She's been chosen. Chosen for what? If the Dark Angel consummates your flesh with this human body before midnight on New Year's Eve, then he unlocks the gate of hell. Ah! I've come for my wife, Christine. May God forgive us! Let her go. How can you expect to defeat me? When I am forever, and you are just a man. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat, and you've just heard the bombastic trailer for 1999's movie, End of Days. It was written and directed by Peter Hyams, and starring, of all people, Arnie himself. That's weird. He didn't look like a golfer. I mean, he seemed young, too. I mean, what do I know from age, but with plastic surgery and whatnot, but damn. Honey, no, not Arnie Palmer. Well, who then? <laughs> X that was Schwarzenegger. Was it? Well, that explains why he was talking all fucked up then. I bet he could hit the hell out of the one iron, though. Please, not even God can hit the one iron. Uh, I wish somebody would hit me with a one iron during this movie. Put me out of my goddamn misery. <laughs> this movie starts in 1979. There's a comet or something over the moon, some kind of astrological event, and they call it the Eye of God. By they, I mean the Vatican. This is apparently one of those Catholic prophecies that they don't tell anyone about for some reason. Well, because they don't want to cause mass panic. There would be rioting in the streets, mayhem at St. Mary's. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the Eye of God means something is going to happen. And that something is a baby is going to be born that night, a girl child who will grow up to be the bride of Satan 
And this is something that we've touched on a few times during the course of this podcast. Why the hell does the devil need a baby? Right? He seems like a busy guy. I mean, he'd have to hire a fucking nanny. Diapers are expensive. Yes, so is formula. I really don't think he's going to have time to breastfeed. And what about her shots? She's got to have her dip tat. That's right. So one of the Monsignors at the Vatican says that if they don't kill that baby, there will be no salvation for anyone. I mean, wow. She just wipes out the entire New Testament. Neato. So while the Vatican is all a flutter about the baby, the creepiest hospital in New York City is where the kid is being born. Again, we've said this before, and we cannot stress it enough. If you're wondering if a child is in fact a devil baby... Well, it is a little easier in this movie, because the girl is born with a small yet ominous birthmark. But you're right. I mean, the kid's doctor is Udo Kier. Is this a good sign? <laughs> Fuck, no! Uh, and the nurse takes the newborn away to clean it up. And she takes it to the morgue. <laughs> All the way down to the basement, where Dr. Udo is waiting for her with a fucking rattlesnake in a jar. Yeah, I prefer mine on tap, thanks. Right? <laughs> So he grabs the snake by the head and rams some kind of sacred dagger into it, mumbles some devil words, and then shoves his finger into the sliced snake, gets some blood on his fingertip, and sticks it into the baby's mouth. Which is weird, because a normal, healthy, full-term baby won't even need to feed for 24 to 48 hours after being born. They're still living off colostrum. Why do you know that? I know more about human birth than most men. Impressive. I also have a good attitude about menstruation. <laughs> I know this about you. <laughs> the nurse, who is also evil, takes the baby back to her mother, who immediately names the baby Christine. How funny. <laughs> a feminized version of the word Christ. It's little dashes of cleverness like that. Was was that clever? No. Hell no. I was being sarcastic. Uh, okay. Drink more. It'll help. Oh, okay. So the Vatican's all set to kill a baby. And the baby's been baptized in the blood of a snake. So we are off to a rip-roaring start. Hell yeah, we are. So then the movie skips ahead 20 years. And really, sincerely... Thank you for that movie, because I don't think I could have handled a fucking montage of Queen the Devil's ovipository growing up. She likes horses. Now she's 11. Fuck that. This movie just says, nope, it's 1999 now, three days away from New Year's, and you will deal with it. Some guys are working down in the sewer tunnels under the streets of New York City, and they discover something strange. <gasps> mood slime no it's not mood slime oh but it's large balls of flame oh, manhole okay. covers come flying into the sky and cars catch on fire and explode and out of all that fire comes the devil sort of it's a flying creature that seems to use the same kind of light refracting technology as the predator so it's flying around and it's all shiny but nobody can really see it 
so the devil's flying around, you know, cruising the streets of New York, like he do, and it lays eyes on Gabriel Byrne. Mm, he is a good-looking Irishman, and he is dapper in that suit of his. He sits down to dinner with some people. Looks like a casual affair where one might discuss a little business. No matter, Gabriel has to break the seal, so he goes into the restroom. And while he's in there, the shiny predator devil literally flies into him. (laughs) He bucks and shakes, and he slams himself against the wall a few times, but when all is said and done, he's the devil now. Does he remember to zip up? I really don't recall seeing him do that. I wasn't paying attention to that, really. Well, what the hell's wrong with you? It's Gabriel Byrne. Excuse me for wondering more about why the devil chose this guy out of everyone in, I don't know, the world? Because he's Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, well. Devil Gabriel Byrne walks out into the restaurant and kisses the woman who was sitting at his dinner table. And not only does she go absolutely limp, but her vagina explodes. Well, again, it's Gabriel Byrne. Sexy. And not only does he kiss her, he downright molests her and puts his hand down her dress. My vagina would explode, too. Okay. Just saying. Well, and I'm not even debating that. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. (laughs) But at this point, her vagina explodes and the restaurant explodes. The whole building blows up. And the devil just walks away. No big deal, because, you know, the devil is used to flaming debris. All right. So now we get to meet Schwarzenegger's character. And his name, get this, is Jericho Kane. Sweet Jesus. Please, just say that with me. Jericho Jericho Kane. Just enough to sound vaguely scriptural. But still badass enough for a Schwarzenegger character. It's just another terrible character name for Arnie, who has played characters with names like John Matrix. Dutch Schaefer. Ivan Donko. And Mr. Freeze, which was just unforgivable. Jericho Kane's apartment is filthy. It's the standard Hollywood man who has lost everything apartment. No pictures, shitty couch, blah, blah, blah. He's a professional bodyguard and security guy. Now, his partner, played by Kevin Pollack, is named, ready? Bobby Chicago. Why? No possible reason that I can think of except to piss me off. (laughs) Now, Jericho tries to kill himself, but doesn't. In a scene that is a direct ripoff of Lethal Weapon. Then, to show how much he has lost hope, he takes all his leftover food from the night before, including a piece of pizza off the floor, puts it in the blender, and drinks it. Gross. Look, I've been down and out, and I've never done that. You know, I just stopped eating. Fuck it, drink! <laughs> Their assignment that day is to protect an investment banker. Just so happens to be the same guy who was taken over by the devil the night before. Pretty standard detail until a sniper starts taking pot shots at the guy from the roof. This starts a long, horribly silly action sequence, which involves Jericho Kane on a zipline cable attached to a helicopter. No, I, uh... 
Yeah. It's not a helicopter. This is a Schwarzenegger movie. <gasps> That's right. Arnie has to get to the chopper. The chopper! The shooter falls through a newsstand roof off of the cable and somehow runs into a cordoned off subway tunnel. The cops come in and take him alive, and it turns out he is a priest named, now here we go, Thomas Aquinas. Oh, God, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts so much. Let me jump in here just for a second to tell our listeners that Thomas Aquinas was a Dominican Catholic priest who is best known for being a philosopher, theologian, and jurist. His ideas on ethics and the nature of salvation have been highly influential on Western thought, and he was alive between the years of 1225 and 1274. He's not our shooter. Well, modern-day Thomas Aquinas, and trust me, no one is implying reincarnation here, not in such a Catholic film, but he starts babbling to Jericho about the end of the thousand years and how the dark angel is loosed. And here's the funny thing. Thomas Aquinas has no tongue. Or bugger. Well, that's what the cops say, anyway. So Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago decide to investigate the case on their own. Aquinas lives in the tunnels under New York. Apparently, there are bazillions of tunnels under New York, and in Aquinas's room, they find his tongue, the shears the priest used to cut out his own tongue, and they find his priestly collar. A lot of symbols painted on the walls in blood, probably. And Bobby Chicago opens the refrigerator and... Ah! A cat jumps out! It's a jump scare! Who keeps their cat in the refrigerator? <laughs> Fucking no one! Yeah, man, nobody likes cold pussy, that's for sure. Christine York, the woman who is supposed to be the devil's bride is riding on the subway, just minding her own business, and she's confronted by some weird-looking guy with Afro puffs and cloudy weirdo eyes. And if you follow the devil, that's pretty much how you're going to look. We've learned <laughs> this from other movies. Anyway, the guy says to her, He's going to fuck you, Christine! And then the guy collapses and breaks like glass. <laughs> it's okay, though. It's just a dream just a dream when the devil walks the earth apparently he brings with him lots of cheap jump scares that's not necessarily evil but it's annoying as hell cat in the fridge <laughs> jericho kane is at home first of all he plays with a music box now look we already understand that something terrible has happened to his daughter so he's just making it worse for himself and then we see him reading his Bible. Now, why does Jericho Cain have a Bible? I don't know. He doesn't seem like the church-going type. Anyway, he reads some scripture, and it corresponds with something he found in Aquinas' underground apartment. And it doesn't fucking matter what it was, because it's one of those typical bullshit, 
Oh, these numbers are actually Bible verses and references. I suddenly understand everything now. <laughs> also, it was from the book of Revelation, so of course it's about the end of the world, and well, there you go. Of course. So let's learn a little bit more about Christine, okay? She's a bit of a spoiled bitch. Lots of money, a personal servant, and her doctor is the same one who took care of her when she was little. That's snake-cutting Udo Kier. Also, <laughs> since she has hallucinations that are probably real, she takes lots of meds. Now, it turns out that Father Aquinas was trained by the Vatican. So this leads Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago to a big, burly priest named Father Kovac. Father Kovac is played by Rod Steiger, and he plays priests a lot, but most famously in the original film version of the Amityville Horror. The guy is bald, he's old, he's kind of got some massive physical bulk, and he yells a lot, and he's not the most helpful lad. I wonder if he knows what Satan's most effective trick is. Satan's greatest trick was convincing man he didn't exist. Oh yeah, he does! <laughs> he tells Jericho to piss off, but Jericho follows him down into the basement, and I'll tell you what, these priests are fucking crazy. They've got a Polish nun with stigmata strapped to a bed. They've got a cadre of priests on computers, all kinds of wacky pseudo-religious stuff going on here. Hey, I wonder if I could possibly comprehend the forces at work here. There are forces here at work you couldn't possibly comprehend. Now please leave. Sorry, love. Guess not. Well, Gabriel Byrne is finding his way around New York City. He's single. He's new in town. You figure he needs a little help, right? Well, luckily, his followers have spray-painted symbols from the Necronomicon on the sidewalk for him to follow. It's like being at the zoo. <laughs> you follow the symbols to the big cats. Or you go this way and see the sharks. Or in this case, follow the goetic symbols to Udo Kier's house. Udo, his wife and daughter, are all eating dinner when the devil shows up. But within 30 seconds, the devil is eating his wife and daughter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's lots of rippling skin and sweat and moans of desire. It's actually a pretty good scene. <laughs> I wonder if the devil has a cold cock. I always heard he did. I heard his semen was ice cold. I mean, that's what I've always read when I studied about black masses. It seems like that would be refreshing on a hot summer night. You know, all that sweat <laughs> and humidity and body heat. And then all of a sudden, boom, just a nice splash of freezing cold jizz. <sighs> Give a girl cooter freeze. <laughs> well, depending on where it lands. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so after Gabriel Bird gets done begging the shit out of Udo Kier's family, he goes to the hospital to visit Father Thomas Aquinas, which would have been far more interesting had it been the real Father Thomas Aquinas, because I'm sure those two would have had a lot to talk about. But Satan makes all these great threats. He lights a cigarette and he breathes the smoke into the old man's oxygen tent. And by the time Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago, look, do we have to keep using their full names? Somebody took the time to come up with those names. And by the gods, yes, 
we will say them with pride because we sat through this fucking movie and if we take nothing else from it we will take the names of Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago alright gay so the time Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago find Thomas Aquinas I can't even believe I'm saying that sentence it makes no <laughs> sense at all <laughs> By the time Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago find Thomas Aquinas, he has been crucified on the ceiling. <laughs> now, it seems like there would have been a lot more blood, but nonetheless, there it is. It's then that they can see all the markings on Thomas Aquinas's body. Like, whole sentences. Stuff like, the dark night rises. Bless the child. Don't pay the ferryman. Christ in New York. Wait a minute. I think it's a clue, Shaggy. Oh, shit. <laughs> Christ in New York looks remarkably like the words Christine York, the devil's intended baby maker. Now look, don't bother asking how Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago find anything out. This isn't really a procedural movie. All you have to know is that they work for a multi-million dollar security firm, and that firm has computers. And those computers know everything. There's no detective work. There's no logic here. It's just computers and being able to find addresses. Yep, and they find Christine York's apartment. She has just gotten out of the shower... And yet there is no nudity. So take points away for that shit. Mm. I'm sorry, but deep down, everybody loves tits. Don't care who you are, regardless of gender or orientation. Everyone loves tits. Even gay guys? Yeah, they're the best tit judges. (laughs) The bitchy ones will grudgingly admit when they see perfect tits, and the kinder ones will appreciate the beauty of tits that have been around the block a bit, you know? They appreciate the sanctity of a fine pair of breasts. That seems true. I like tits. Me too. So there it is. Science. So just as Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago arrive at Christine York's apartment... She's being attacked by the Vatican guards. Now, we saw those guys at the beginning of the movie in the Vatican, but now they're in New York, breaking down doors, crashing through windows, and attempting to kill Christine so that she can't have cold jizz sex with Satan. Nothing like a ninja priest cock blocker to totally kill the mood. (sighs) Bastards. So, of course, Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago fight them off and decide to protect her, even though they haven't officially been handed that case and are probably letting hundreds of other totally deserving people go unbodyguarded. And poor Christine York. The Pope's goon squad is after her. Satan's followers are howling for her hymen, and the devil wants to fuck her in the back of her car. Maybe she's all messed up. I would say she is. So Christine has J&J security looking out for her, (laughs) staking out the place in a bright white van that isn't conspicuous at all. And meanwhile, inside, Christine's housekeeper, maid, nanny, whatever the fuck this woman is, has been commanded to bring Christine to Satan. 
but she won't do it because she's afraid she'll get followed to the Satanic Temple. This is not to be confused with the actual Satanic Temple, a fine group of people who are fighting for social and political equality who happen to be friends of this show. Well, we're their friends. They've never said anything about the show, ever. It's not like we're endorsed by the Satanic Temple or anything. Uh, uh, true. But they would like it if they heard it, I bet. And I still think that we should be sponsored by a vodka company. And it would be perfect. Mm. Is there is, is there devil vodka? Hmm. I don't know. Note to self. Look for devil vodka. Okay. Exactly. Jericho Kane goes inside to talk to Christine, the strawberry girl, and ends up saving her from the domestic worker inside. Not that she was a tough enemy, you understand. She was a 70-year-old woman. I could have taken her. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bobby Chicago is sitting in the bright white van that might as well say, Cops? What cops? On the side of it. Satan walks by the van and goes around to the side of some steps. Now... Here is where we get something we've never seen before. It's amazing, and there's no explanation for it, so I'm just going to say it. The devil has sentient pee. I like to think of it as your intelligence. <laughs> he stands in the cover of shadow and whips out his monster cock. Well... I assume it's a monster cock. You don't get to see it, but he is a monster, and he has a cock. kind of goes together. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I got distracted. So, Satan has taken a piss. All right. And we watch the stream of urine flow onto the sidewalk, go up the block, and begin to puddle underneath the van that Bobby Chicago is sitting in. So... Unbeknownst to him, he is sitting right above the devil's reign. Oh, wait! There's more! <laughs> Satan lights a cigarette, because, of course, Satan's a smoker. He takes a hit off of his cigarette, and then he throws it into his piss, which catches fire. That's right, kids. Satan pees kerosene. And so does X after enough vodka. That's the... Yeah, that's true. So, we watch the flame of Satan's waste products creep up the street until it hits the van, which catches on fire. Piss fire. <laughs> you ever hear the phrase, should be chewing blocks of ice and pissing fire? This is it. Satan pees gas. What the fuck ever. Meanwhile, inside the house... Jericho Kane's fighting large Marge, trying to get Christine York out of the house. Jericho Kane hits her with a piano, and then they get away and start looking for the closest Catholic, because as we learned from Bless the Child, Catholics are linked by mind control, like the guys on Ming's ship and Flash Gordon. Meanwhile, Satan, having already heeded nature's call, goes into the house and kills the maid. He actually says, you had one job. <laughs> and he's right. She did. She fucked it up. <laughs> it's so hard to find good help these days. Two cops, one of whom is played by CCH Pounder, an actor I love, who is wasted in practically every role she's ever had, except when she was on Millennium. Uh, 
they confront Jericho Kane and Christine York, along with some other cop who, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but Jericho Kane doesn't want to shoot the cops. But he does, because he's committed to protecting Christine York against the forces of evil for reasons I don't fully understand. Satan, being a sweetheart, brings CCA back to life. Because who wouldn't want cops on your side? After all, you're only the king of the fucking underworld. So by all means, cops. (laughs) Now we get to the part where this movie completely retcons the Christian Bible. And retcons history. And it absolutely folds in upon itself and implodes because of the stupid... Oh, God, the stupid. It burns! So, guess what, Acolyte? In an amazing feat of math, we haven't seen since the lady who thought Monster Energy Drink had the Hebrew number of the beast on the can, Father Novak tells Jericho Kane and Christine York that the people who scribed the Bible got shit wrong. You know anything about the number of the beast? Revelation of St. John from his dream? 666? The number of the beast is not 666. Often in dreams, numbers appear upside down and backward. So 666 becomes 999, like in 1999, the year of his return. It gets better. In order to bring about the end of days, the devil has to inseminate and impregnate Christine York between the hours of 11 p.m. and 12 a.m. on New Year's Eve. (laughs) How does this make a goddamn lick of sense? Hundreds of years for Satan to get his nut, and now there's a time limit? When you go with logic like this... There's no reason for God and Satan to be eternal beings because they're both too fucking stupid to live that long. How do they see to drive? Why are we still paying attention to anything these bastards say? Suddenly this is a fucking Owen Wilson movie. I got an hour to fuck this chick or else nothing else is going to happen. Oh, my nose is all fucked up. It's just terrible. I don't understand. And totally unfair. Well, Christine agrees to stay at the church with Father Kovac because, according to scripture, Satan cannot enter a church. I think they've confused scripture with Highlander because I don't remember seeing that anywhere. How can you trust this motherfucker? He can't read numbers. But she's like, this is a great idea, and she stays with him. Now, before we can party like it's 1999... Uh, Jericho Kane goes home to, I don't know, freshen up, <laughs> reapply its steroid cream, fuck all, I don't know. But Satan shows up, and we get the same kind of bullshit temptation scene that we got in Bless the Child. Satan says, if you leave me alone and let me fuck this one girl, <laughs> just this one, I will give you your wife and kid back. And then we have to watch this whole reenactment of how bad guys broke into Jericho Kane's apartment and blew his family away, which is what turned him into a shitty, 
D-grade reenactment of Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon, except that Schwarzenegger really is too old for this shit. <laughs> so there's a fight, and the devil throws Jericho Kane out of his apartment window, but hey, he can get back in if he'll just take Satan's hand. Nope! Jericho Kane grabs him by the blazer and hurls him to the sidewalk below. Not that it matters. He's Satan. He's fine. <laughs> and then who should show up to help? Why, it's Bobby Chicago. What? I know you thought you saw him die when that van blew up because of devil piss, but nope. He is totally fine. So, Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago go after Christine York, who is with Father Novak in a church. Hey, guess who else is at that church? The Vatican Knights. That's right. The Pope's own baseball team, the Vatican Knights, have shown up to kill the Dark Lord's cold chest for semen, Christine York. There's a fight, and she's almost dead, and then Satan walks in. I knew that no devils in churches thing was bullshit. And Satan goes on a Cathol killing frenzy. He takes out the knights. He takes out the lay clergy. He gets a couple of nuns. It's a bloodbath, but at least they're justified. They are purified. They are sanctified inside church. Good gods, is this movie over yet? I know, right? Fuck, this movie takes a long time for shit to happen. And it's shit that you know is going to happen because the movie telegraphs so much, you expect the Pony Express to personally deliver plot points to you. This movie might as well be wearing an orange hunting vest because you can see it coming from miles away. Jericho Kane and Christine York fight their way outside to, to Bobby Chicago's car, but he is an asshole. He's a complete asshole. He kidnaps Christine York and leaves Jericho Kane for dead. So a group of Satanists beat the living shit dick out of Jericho Kane. And they end up tying him to construction girders and crucifying him. They tie him up and hoist him high above the ground for everyone to see. The next morning, Father Kovac is out for a morning stroll. Like you do. And he, mm -hmm, he just happens to glance up and see Jericho Kane exposed to the elements, crucified in front of a building. He helps him down, and he wakes up in the church at 7 p.m. on the last day of 1999. He only has a few hours to rescue Christine from her predestined devil doinking so he can <laughs> stop the end of days from starting, ending, daying something, I don't know. So Jericho Kane goes back to the security office and fucking gears up. Guns, grenade launchers incendiary rounds, the whole shebang, emphasis on the bang. <laughs> he also uses their super goddamn computers to track down Bobby Chicago's car, which just happens to be parked in front of a secret, hidden, satanic temple, which is also in the tunnels under New York. Man, with so much shit underground, why does anybody in New York City live up top? Right. Well, maybe the people who live in New York City are the Eloy, and the people who live in the tunnels are the Morlocks. You know, meat is meat, and a Morlock's got to eat. What are, you, what are you on about now? H.G. Wells, the time machine. Yeah, that's got nothing to do with this story. 
You never studied. We're in the third act of this overly long story now, so there's light at the end of the tunnel, especially for Bobby Chicago. See, he really was dead. Satan brought him back to life if he would betray Jericho Cain and lead him to Christine York and kill Jericho Cain and maybe bring him a latte, perhaps detail his car. But Bobby Chicago can't bring himself to shoot Jericho Cain, so the devil kills him again. So long, Bobby Chicago. Well, then Jericho Cain opens fire on Satan with big guns and big bullets and probably a big knife, maybe a hyena and a chaff missile and angry bees. Doesn't matter. It's Satan. He's fine. So Jericho Cain and Christine York run into a subway tunnel. They get on board a subway train, and there's this huge bullshit fight with them running through empty cars. And there's a crash, and finally, Satan's beautiful Irish Gabriel Byrne body is too fucked up for him to use anymore. So Satan leaves that wretched subhuman body and reverts to shiny Predator Satan again. Well, it's the taking of a Pelham. One, two, three. If you want to bust a rhyme, then come see me. So there's this big final battle <laughs> in a church where Satan turns into a giant fucking flame beast. He's huge. He's got like 14 legs and weird <laughs> leathery wings. And he finally does what he should have done at the beginning of the story. And he takes over the body of Jericho Cain. And Jericho Cain gets all rapey and he starts trying to have sex with Christine York. But she whines her way out of it. Oh, don't touch me. I'm Christine. You like me. Remember me. I'm And he regains control for a moment and tells her to run. So <laughs> she gets away from him and Jericho sees this giant angel statue holding a sword. So he runs up on it, jumps, and impales himself on the sword. So now he can't have sex with Christine York, thereby avoiding the end of days for another thousand years. And it gets better. Uh... Before he dies, Jericho Kane gets to see a vision of his dead wife and daughter. So we all know he's going to heaven with fucking points, like bonus <laughs> He sent Satan back to hell. He saved the girl. If there's a champagne room in heaven, he's got a fucking VIP pass. And that's it. Yep, that's it. Once again, the hand of God comes down to end the film and bugger all the people who have already died in the story. Uh, thanks. When we return, we'll be debuting a new segment on the show, so hang out through the break, and when we come back, it'll be time for Ask a Lapsed Catholic, back after the novenas. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. They try to kill us. You ungodly warlock. <laughs> <laughs> Stay dead. The Midnight Horror Show, the internet's goriest and raunchiest horror podcast since 2008. Now live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at tmhsradio.com. 
Listen on your mobile device with the TuneIn app. Search TMHS Radio or download us at iTunes, Podomatic, or the TMHS Radio page. Welcome back to Kiss the Goats. And it's time for a little exposition. Practically every devil movie. Every American one, anyway. Right. Has a God aspect. Yin and yang, dark and light, midichlorians or no midichlorians, it's there. And in exorcism movies or devil movies that are heavily religious, it's normally the cathols that are called into service to help out. You know that both on the group page and on the last episode, we put out a call for a Catholic priest or a lay clergy person to watch some movies with us. You know, have a good time, generally be cool, and answer some of the questions we have about the bullshit that we see in these devil movies. And it's funny how sometimes the answer to a problem or question is right under your nose. Some of you may know Alan McPherson from the group page. He is an acolyte. He's a fan of the show. And he was a member of the lay clergy from the Catholic Church for over 20 years. But enough of my yakking. Let's go ahead and welcome Alan McPherson to the show. And it's time for the world's favorite game of ideology versus ideology. Ask a lapsed Catholic. Woohoo! Hi, Alan. Hello. Thank you for the warm introduction. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, we've told the listeners a little bit about your religious background and credentials, so why don't you give us more of a detailed list of qualifications? Okay, well, I was raised uh, Roman Catholic, and in a kind of loosey-goosey way, but enough that, you know, it's, uh, I, got the, I got the gist of that. And in my early teens, I, uh, I was a lay minister as a minister of the Eucharist and as a lay reader, which... Uh, sort of made me funeral guy, so anytime oh. somebody was dying, I got to have the honor of not actually mourning or participating in the in that side of things, but getting up and speaking and interpreting some scripture and such. Um, and in university, I actually studied uh, comparative religion, uh, which is more of a, that, that was a secular uh, field of study, but you know, certainly had some religious component to it too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, cool. So, Alan, no fancy um, flashing of <laughs> I was going to say we know it's not proper to call you father, but can we call you dad? <laughs> I prefer Papa, but <laughs> <laughs> that works, Papa Alan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, sorry. There are a lot of things in End of Days that just smell like teen spirit. So let's dive in. Uh, was there really a giant uproar within the Catholic community about the end of the century? Um, like, you know, the end of the millennium coming. Was that an actual concern with the church? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, that's the, uh, there is not much of a millennial uh, bent in the uh, Roman Catholic Church. Um, I think that's probably because the church being old enough to having gone through, you know, a few millennial changes at this point, and uh, I think they've kind of realized the whole calendar year uh, apocalypse thing isn't, uh, so yeah, no, that's not a thing. So the world was not supposed to end in 1999? No, no, funny enough, and uh, it wasn't really anything... But the church really like talked about the um, unlike a lot of uh, the American uh, Protestant traditions that are coming out of like uh, Baptist and Southern Baptist. 
there really isn't a big focus in the ERC um, dealing with an end of days kind of a thing. We kind of looked at things in more of a you know personal end of the world sort of a thing. It's more about the individual uh, soul that is the uh, larger concern rather than like global apocalypse and that kind of a thing. The church also kind of looks at things like Revelation as pretty metaphorical right off the bat it's, instead of a uh, an actual literal description of things that are going to be happening. So we kind of just ignore all of that stuff. <laughs> In 1982, when Prince wrote this song about the end of the world, um, 1999, we we can probably just scratch that off and say that Prince wasn't a prophet at this point, right? Um, I think I think Prince was a prophet in his own way, but uh, yeah, maybe not in an eschatological kind of a fashion. <laughs> I feel better about the fact that he only wanted to see us dancing in the purple rain. Uh, Makes me feel better about Prince in a lot of ways. <laughs> Let's talk about the Vatican Knights. Oh, what? Is this a real thing? And if so, why aren't they wearing full suits of armor? <laughs> Vatican Knights were a roller derby team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Vatican Knights. I almost lost it on that one. Uh, there are Vatican Knights. There are several orders of knighthood uh, that are recognized by Rome. There's five primary ones, and then there's a few tangential ones. Um, what would they be? Uh, well, there's the Order of Christ, the Order of the Golden Spur, the Order of, uh, I think it's St. Pius, the Order of St. Gregory, and I think they mentioned St. Gregory a couple times in that film, so maybe that's the one that they're alluding to. <laughs> that's giving me too much credit for research, but we could go with that if you like. And then there's the Order of St. Sylvester. And yeah, none of them are like God's hit team <laughs> designed to go around and take out potential antichrist eye in, uh, yeah, no, they don't no. use that. <laughs> I like the sound of the Order of the Golden Spur. It just sounds like Roy Rogers running around Wyoming trying to destroy land barons. <laughs> I always thought it kind of, sounded kind of kinky. But, uh... Yeah, I'm with Alan on that one. It uh, or maybe yeah. like sports injuries or something like that. Right? <laughs> Roll over on that ankle. You need someone to have a miracle for you. you call that's right. Your, your heel's all fucked up. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> We've got the golden spur instead of the heel spur. <clears throat> well, here's the big question, Alan. Hmm. Why the fuck does the devil want a baby? I mean, really. Maybe it's... Um, I'm trying to grasp on it. Maybe it's a bit of residual divinity, you know, just follow where I'm going with this, of Lucifer having been a fallen angel and all of the, you may still have some of that ambition of um, maybe not <laughs> some kind of empathy and after all the centuries of inflicting torment on human souls, thought, wow, maybe if I have a baby around, I can put myself through some of that shit. And just be miserable all the time. That's the, that, that's the best I got. Um, 
It has something to do with uh, the devil's estrus cycle when his pee starts burning, literally. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. That's a good uh, theory as any. My my question with all of that was, if uh, this is when you had the Vatican Knights, who seemed to have like a lockdown on you know who was going to be the mother of the Antichrist and all of this. And there was also a mention that the person who the devil's body was going to inhabit, that that was foretold as well. Um, why didn't they just go take that guy out? Right? That's, like, a, that's a fair cop. In a cell or something like that. Because <laughs> they seem to have all the answers as to when everything was going to go on. So, like, I don't know. Is it, could that be residual church misogyny? They, uh, like, we could kill the guy or we could take out the girl. Well, <laughs> if he's got a penis, we gotta let him live. <laughs> he's gotta have a, you know, at least some shake at it, right? Like, uh, that's the other Which is weird because I always thought angels were genderless, so I'm not even sure <laughs> how impregnation would happen to begin with. I don't think. Lucifer, in this case, really knew how it was going to happen because there was a lot of monkeying around with, like, candles and rituals and stuff. Like, he was kind of stalling for time, like, trying to figure out how this all works. Yeah, he did seem a bit confused. Yeah, you know, really, there could have been a lot more direct. I don't know. In this world, everyone stops the action to have, like, pointless rituals that apparently they don't really need to have anyway. But I was kind of hoping at the end of the film where uh, Schwarzenegger makes the heroic sacrifices and, and throws himself on Gabriel's sword or the proxy Gabriel. Uh, there was a part of me that was really hoping that what would be the devil's undoing is that when he looks over and sees the statue of Gabriel, he just can't get it up because it reminds him of how Gabriel kicked his ass and he just feels totally inadequate. And it's just, goes all limp and I would have liked that much better than what I <laughs> There's just this awkward silence and it's like eh, it's never happened to me before. Um, don't mind what happened a lot thousand years before that. Like it was a different thing. I was totally different. It's not you baby, it's me. <laughs> Okay, Alan, you're from Nova Scotia. Why is that? <laughs> um, I don't know, but I'm sure there's an ancient Catholic prophecy. <laughs> that, uh, in a in a brassy looking art student tube in somebody's apartment in the Vatican that would explain it all. That's right. <laughs> But no, seriously, how much stock do you put in the belief that the Catholic Church has secret knowledge and prophecies that they haven't revealed to the public? I mean, do you think that's true? And if so, doesn't that make the Catholics the same radical brand of Gnostics the early church was so against? Oh, uh, I, I would say a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. I, I, th I I think there's some stuff that the church probably keeps locked away. And I mean, I know that there is um, eh, Pope John Paul II went to his grave 
you know, having um, a, a secret that was supposedly whisper, whispered in his ear at the, uh, by one of the women having the visions at Fatima, I believe, or Fatima Majorca. And there was supposed to be some kind of prophecy that was meant for him and only him. And apparently he heard this and fell to his knees and cried or something like this. And he, you know, that information's never been released to anybody. And I'm sure there's lots of little like folkloric kind of things that are spirited away. But I really don't think that there is, um, you know, any grand prophetic things that the church is uh, keeping in their back pocket for whatever reason. Um, and yes, there is a lot of Gnosticism, <laughs> which, you know, for my money, that's kind of the cool stuff. That's, uh, I, I, I think the church should get to the, past the point where it's embarrassed to talk about and embrace that sort of thing. That's, yeah. To me, that's one of the things that kind of makes the RC a little, a little bit different than, than a lot of the other Christian denominations that you do get some kind of like a little bit of a wacky embracing of the uh, you know, quasi-magical and spiritual and even like folk religious and it's for a long long time the church is act kind of embarrassed about that and especially after Vatican II like sort of an attempt to uh, embrace the rational a little bit and I think it should get a little allow itself to be a little wacky and goofy yeah so I have I have one final question for you, Alan. <clears throat> On a scale of one to six devil horns, how many horns do you give end of days? I'm going to give it one horn <laughs> for CCH Pounder. <laughs> Boom! I love CCH Pounder. She's so wasted in this movie. What? The, 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 I'm like reading the cast. As it's coming on, it's like Karen Pollock, CCH Founder, Rod Steiger. It's like, this is a. In terms of character actors, they're like, whoa, we're really rolling out all the stops here. Udo Kerr. Yes! Like, the hell? <laughs> what? This should have been just like an ensemble character piece, and like Schwarzenegger could have been just like a little bit part. And he could have just had all of you guys bouncing things around off of each other, but. Anyway, what could have been? Yeah, I like the fact that Kevin Pollock's character was named Bobby Chicago because I always just, every time I hear that name, I expect like a mournful sax solo to start playing. (laughs) (laughs) They could have played that up too. They could have been like walking around with a hot dog the whole time. (laughs) A little jardinier dripping off the chin. Wearing a Bears jersey. <laughs> I don't know why everyone calls me Bobby Chicago. <laughs> Put some more horrible things on this hot dog. Jesus. <laughs> Pickles and motor oil. Just put it all on there. <laughs> all right. Well, Alan, Alan, thank you so much for being our go-to Cathol here on Kiss the Goat. And I know that we'll be consulting you again for answers to questions that movies like this raise, uh, you know, like welts on the back of a Protestant in the 14th century. So Those are the days. I know, right? God, I missed them. The Black Plague. That was such a wonderful time. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Uh, we prefer the term chromatically neutral plague now. We don't want to... <laughs> Chromatically neutral plague. 
the translucent plague. I think that's the one that's coming next. Alright, well thanks man. We really appreciate it a great deal. Oh, anytime guys. Uh, Alright. Alright, that was fun. And now it's time for the world's favorite game of labels and judgment. It's time for three questions. Three questions! Question number one. Is this really a devil movie? Oh, fuck, yes. And I hate to admit it. I hate to admit it, but yeah, this is more of a devil movie than most devil movies we've seen. And the reason I hate to admit it is because this is a piece of shit. It's a horrible movie. But yeah, it's definitely a devil movie. The devil gets his due for sure in this flick. He gets it a couple of times. <laughs> is that what we're calling it now? Uh-huh. All right then. Uh so you agree then this is a devil movie. Oh yeah, I couldn't be happier than I was with Gabriel Byrne prancing about being all hard up and hot. Look, I'm a middle-aged straight white guy, okay? And Gabriel Byrne, fuck yeah. That dude's fucking gorgeous. Uh, okay, question number two. I don't, I don't want any questions about that in the group. Fuck all y'all. Um, question number two. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how many devil horns would you give end of days? It gets three from me for Gabriel Byrne and all of the shit blowing up. It gets two and a half. Do you know that that chick that played Christine York? Yeah. Oh, my God. Robin Tunney. Is there a worse actress? I guess there is, but she was horrible in that movie. She was just stilted and stiff and completely emotionless. It was bizarre. Let me say this. One of my favorite porn stars, Alexis Texas. I can't hear you. God damn it. Let me say this. One of my favorite porn stars, Alexis Texas, um, who was known for just amazing anal work. But she was in a zombie movie. I can't remember what it was called. Zombie Bloodlust, I think, was the name of it. And she was so good in that movie, like, took it seriously. It was a really good actress. So this porn star fucking blew Robin Tunney away in this goddamn multi-million dollar Hollywood extravaganza. I would rather watch Alexis Texas than Robin Tunney in this piece of shit movie. So there you go. Two and a half for End of Days. Because I would... If they'd put Alexis Texas at End of Days, oh, four. Fucking four (laughs) horns. Because it would have been a lot more interesting in the sex scenes. But beyond that, no. Fuck this movie. Fair enough. And finally, why should our listeners watch End of Days? Or should they? Arnold? That's it. Fuck. I mean, 
If you're a Schwarzenegger fan, fucking watch End of Days and just complete everything. I mean, Jesus, if you're going to watch Maggie, you might as well watch End of Days. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it's, I don't know. It's the Omen Genesis. If you're bored and you don't have anything better to do and you want to see Gabriel Byrne be a pretty good Satan, I say go for it. Yeah. Yep, I'll agree with that. Well, anyway, whether you enjoy watching your bullshit apocalyptic scenarios with a refreshing wine spritzer or something a little heavier like a Mai Tai or a Singapore sling (laughs) or perhaps some serious alcohol like a Harvey Wallbanger or a Persian Camel Piss, we can certainly help you drink your way through end of days. And if you're a willin, then why wouldn't you be? Bitches, it's time for the world's favorite drinking game, Drinking with the Devil, where your love of bad movies makes your disdain for your own liver. Woohoo! Drink every time Jericho Kane yells at a priest. Drink every time Father Novak yells back. <laughs> Drink every time Christine York reminds you of Padme Amidala. Oh, God. Hold me, Satan, like you did by the lake at Naboo. It's so cold in space. Um, drink every time. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no! Oh, drink every time someone goes to do a tunnel. And finally, our Grand Master Challenge, drink Every time you wish Christine York would just give it up, fuck the devil, and get this shit over with. I'll drink to that right now. (laughs) Also, God, please remember that we here at Kiss the Goat do not condone or encourage underage drinking or alcohol abuse. However, they've always worked for us. Okay, now, look, we've got a long-ass Ask the Goat to get into. And I'm looking forward to it like crazy, but I want to make sure everybody is seated, comfortable, and ready (laughs) to dive off the edge into the abyss of pure geekery and madness. So we're going to take a fourth break, which is practically unheard of on this show, to get you another drink, gird your loins, Ask the Goat is next. Then you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I am your guide to the Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. So join the insanity, and please, vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. And remember, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, 
If you got beef, I've got the grinder. You were warned. <laughs> you didn't listen. You came back anyway. Now it's too late. And it is time for the world's favorite game of Q&A, Ask the Goat! Puss in your love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker! You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker! You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever! Where we answer your questions and you question our answers. As my lovely partner Cootie rummages through the malevolent mailbag. Rummage, rummage, rummage. Let me remind you that you can always ask us any question your crusty little hearts desire. It can be to both of us, just one of us, or it can be to someone we could pretend to be if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> you can get in touch with us by joining our Facebook group page, which is on Facebook. Search for Kiss the Goat, and you'll find us at Facebook on the Facebook page. <laughs> you can also send us a message at our evil email address, which is thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. Who draws first blood this time, Cootie Bug? Well, in a development that will surprise absolutely no one, first blood is drawn by Duncan McLeish. Duncan's first question <laughs> is... Dogs. If according to God's worshippers, rock is the devil's music, then explain to me Nickelback. I'm pretty sure Satan had fuck all to do with that. God damn it, Duncan. This is how you remind me. <laughs> I can't remember the rest of the goddamn song. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> That's probably okay. That's my entire <laughs> God damn. There is no explanation, Duncan, for Nickelback. That is something completely unnatural and unholy and not of this universe. So I don't think Satan or God had anything to do with that abomination. I really don't. Oh, God. I don't know. I think if there were a god, he would have stopped Nickelback by now. <laughs> you know what bothers me is when I hear Nickelback on fucking WWE events. Like It used to be like the theme song for Raw. I was like, god damn, this is not right. Who came up with this? Oh, Jesus. Okay. Our second question. Nothing disrupts a show like Nickelback. Oh, our second question is also from Duncan, who asks this. Which recent directors in our genre, our genre, thank you for including us in that, have impressed you? And what movie was it they released that you think, wow, this director is really good? Oh, are you waiting for me to answer that? Well, I am. You're the movie guru around here. Am I? Okay. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Um, I'm, well, fuck, I need to make sure I'm saying the right guy. Hold on, because I gotta fucking research this. It's like, I know I'm right, but at the same time, I don't want to say something on the internet that, like, is dumb. <laughs> You're gonna make the Facebook page blow up. <laughs> You're right. Hey, you, you shithead, he's not the one who directed that movie. <clears throat> Why aren't you working? Google. Goddamn. 
Um, anyway, but yeah, I have a movie director in mind. I just want to make sure that I'm saying the right thing. Um, yes, and the director is Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard directed Your Next. Oh, yeah. And Your Next fucking pleased me on every level imaginable. Mm-hmm. Now, I love I really the work he did with Simon Barrett on the VHS movies, but as soon as I saw Your Next, I was like, motherfucker, he gets it. He understands that everything is funny and everything is gruesome at the same time. So, yeah, I have absolute, complete love for Adam Wingard just because of the VH, VHS movies and You're Next. That's my guy. Go. That's that's my... He's He's probably one of the vanguards of the new wave of horror. I'll say that, and I'll say him and Ty West, because god damn do I love the House of the Devil. So much do I love the House of the Devil. Sacrament, okay, but the House of the Devil, Jesus, that movie kicked my ass from hell to breakfast. So yeah, Wingard and Ty West, those are my people. Okay. You done wanking on those? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I jizz too much? <laughs> Let me get a Kleenex. It was the Actually, question. I really, liked, I really liked your next also. Uh, see, um, I knew you did. Yeah. I didn't like the VHS movies so much. but oh, They're hit or miss. I don't really dig anthology films too much, so I st- I don't, it's not surprising. I still understand. But, I still understand yeah, that. I know. Anyway, our next question is from Dave Bates. He asks... Does Cootie have a sister, a friend, perhaps a distant cousin with similar humor and or cinematic taste on the East Coast? I am out of this. I am not even in this question. (laughs) Dave, I have two younger sisters. Um, Neither one of them have the same cinematic taste um, as I do. (laughs) Humor, to a certain degree, I think mine is a little bit darker than either one of my sisters. Um, And all of my cousins love them. Um, No. So, sorry, dude. I don't. But, but, uh, you know, if if I think of anybody, I'll I'll throw their digits your way. How does that sound? Cooties are one of a kind. And I'll tell you what, and this is on a very strict kind of like personal level her daddy really likes bad jokes like bad puns and <laughs> i also really like bad jokes and bad puns and it's really cool to have in-laws that like me and i can throw jokes out there and they laugh that's like amazing to me i'm not even sure how to react to that um dave also wants to know what are your thoughts on maynard's portrayal of satan and bikini bandits go to hell (laughs) that was so weird dude that was like beyond me weird no that was like that was like the longest ministry video ever weird (laughs) it It was it was like i could be waiting for uncle al to show up um, I liked how he played Satan all kind of awkward and weird. Like his questions didn't make sense to anyone that he was asking them. Of. <laughs> that was fucking 
fucking great. <laughs> so yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought I thought Vader was really good in that. Chuck Knight rolls up in this bitch and asks, "Well, if we're asking music questions, what do you think of Randy Blythe, Lamb of God, in The Graves?" You know what? I've seen The Graves. I've seen The Graves like twice now, and I really thought he was effective in that. He's very growly and very, you know, devilly. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with him in that movie. I have a problem with Lamb of God in general because they kind of think they suck. And, you know, when your lead singer puts out a hit on his wife and goes to jail for it, it's kind of hard to market yourself as a Christian metal band. But at the same time, you know, that's ballsy, bro. So uh, I can't really hate you know, Lambesis either. So, but yeah, Randy Blythe is really good in the graves. I like that movie a lot. There you go. Um, so, Scooty's <laughs> <laughs> like, a, yeah, I, I'm like, I, I don't know Lamb of God. I don't want to know them. And I, I don't think I've seen the graves. You haven't seen either, the graves. Have no. I? No. It's some of those after dark movies though. So you should probably watch it. We, I mean, it's easily accessible. It's, it's some good shit. All right, fair enough. Uh, Jerry Esposito comes up with a very important discussion point, and he wants to he wants us to talk about the pros and cons of sexually corrupting young nuns. There are cons to that. I don't see any. Oh, dude! I see yeah. nothing but pros to sexually corrupting young nuns. You're asking a girl who spent the majority of her twenties trying to hit on and seduce. Mormons who would come around trying to proselytize. So, yeah, it's fucking do it. Yeah, if there are no pros and cons to hitchhiking, and there are no pros and cons to sexually corrupting young nuns. I've seen the School of the Holy Beast, okay? I know what I'm getting into here, and it's tight and it's good. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But wait. Chuck hasn't finished yet. Chuck Knight! Also, yeah, he wants to know our top five worst Satan movies. That's not fair. I don't think we've even gotten through all of them yet. We so haven't even scratched really... the surface. Yeah, we're, we're 25 episodes in. Granted, that doesn't mean we've only watched 25 devil movies. But, um... but we've got some shit coming up in August that will just... Ugh. As far as bad movies go, it will blow the back of your brain out like JFK. Mm. Back into the left. Back, yeah, we're going to call August back into the left because it's just shit, fucking horrible shit Satan movies. It's all coming. And maybe one day, Chuck, you know, 15, 20 years down the road when we're done with all of this and... We're retired out in East Knoxville. We'll write a book, and we'll let you know what the top five are. That book's already underway, by the way. I've already got the intro written. I'm ready to rock on that shit. I know. <laughs> uh, Lisa Ann Carrillo asks, what are the colors? God damn it. Lisa, I'm drunk. Uh, Lisa Ann Carrillo asks, what color are the devil's horns, and do they match his <laughs> Do they, yes. Do the, do the curtains match? Do the <laughs> curtains match the carpet? <laughs> Satan's a fire crotch. 
Oh, undoubtedly. <laughs> what color are they? Fuck, they're black, dude. Black is the blackest pit of despair and doom. Black is my evil little heart. Yes. In fact, well, in fact, I would say his shoes are black number one. There you have it, boys and girls. Black number one. She's That's going to do it for Ask the Goat. No, 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 it's not. What? There's one more question that has to be answered, and it came through last week, and I've been thinking about it ever since. Oh, is this the... Yeah... This question comes from a relatively new acolyte. Her name is Sarah Palmer. Hi, Sarah. And Hi, Sarah. She comes to us via Johnny Krug and Krug Nation. Shout out to Johnny Krug. Johnny Krug is the man. Sarah is one of our UK listeners. We love our UK listeners. Hell yeah. Anyway, here's the question. Sarah asks, X, I have to ask, as a fellow wrestling fan, what is your view on the theory that well-known Satanist Kevin Sullivan is a prime suspect in the murders of Chris, Nancy, and Daniel Benoit? Oh, boy. You know what? I'm just going to go over here for a little That's minute. That's fine. I get it. It's cool. You know, yeah, it's a difficult <clears throat> question, Sarah, and I should probably tread carefully here. But I rarely do that. So let's just jump into this. And by the way, this could be interesting to folks who aren't wrestling fans because there is a bit of a mystery involved here. So, okay, let me drink. Let me drink. I'm sure that was a horrible sound. Okay, here we go. Sarah, my friend. We all know that professional wrestling is predetermined. There are fictional storylines, and the winner of each match is decided beforehand. So hopefully that happens in such a way that will further the storyline and get people to keep tuning in. Now, one of the most hated wrestlers for a long time was this short, balding man named Kevin Sullivan. His nickname was the Taskmaster. Now, on television, his character was that of a Satanist, a dark, twisted soul who could manipulate other wrestlers to do his bidding. Alongside him was his real-life wife, Nancy Sullivan. Now, she'd been on television a lot with Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen, playing a character simply known as Woman. So... Behind the scenes, Sullivan held a position known as Booker. And I'm talking real simple here for people who aren't wrestling fans, so if you are a smart, forgive me for this. Now, in pro wrestling, the Booker is the one who schedules the matches. He helps propel the storylines by working in conjunction with the creative team, the writers, and he comes up with new storylines. And he's quite an important man in the business. So Sullivan came up with the idea of a storyline where Nancy, his wife, started having an affair with one of the four horsemen, a Canadian guy named Chris Benoit. Now, Benoit, to put it mildly, was a fucking 
beast in the ring. Oh my god. His technical skills were incredible. His ability to make you believe what was happening in the ring was amazing. And at the time, Chris <clears throat> Benoit was widely understood to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. This was great TV, and it certainly caused some strife with the Four Horsemen. The problem was that Nancy Sullivan and Chris Benoit fell in love for real. So it's often been said that Kevin Sullivan is the only man ever to have booked his own divorce. Now, I don't want to get sensationalistic about this. It's not my style. But Chris Benoit, who was then working for the WWF, murdered his wife, Nancy. And he also killed their young son, Daniel. And then he killed himself. He was scheduled to show up at a pay-per-view called Vengeance, oddly enough, and he didn't show. All the bodies were discovered at their home in Fayetteville, Georgia, on June 25, 2007. Now, the first killing was discovered to have taken place on June 22nd. That was the killing of Nancy, his wife. And morbidly enough, that's my birthday. Hey, thanks. Um, <coughs> well, the theory... And you can probably figure it out. The theory is that Kevin Sullivan was truly a Satanist and that he murdered the Benoit family out of passion and revenge. Now, there's also the thought that Sullivan murdered Sherry Martell, another performer involved with the Four Horsemen and Kevin Sullivan, and Sherry died 10 days before the Benoit family. So here's the difficulty. Chris Benoit allegedly did a lot of steroids, and he absolutely took a lot of boots to the head. So the most common theory is that Benoit was injured, brain damaged to the point of madness, and he killed his family in a fit of religious guilt. Now, don't forget, the only suicide note was found inside of a Bible. And when you look at the way the killings were stretched out over three days, it makes sense that religion played a part in those killings. He killed his wife, Nancy, first, and he left a copy of the Bible by her body. Then he killed Daniel, their son, so that he wouldn't have to continue living without his mother. Now, thankfully, toxicology reports that Daniel was likely unconscious when he was murdered. But then Chris Benoit killed himself, unable to face prosecution or live with his own guilt. So that's that's my theory, Sarah. If there is a belief system to be blamed for the Benoit deaths, it isn't Satanism. I I find that most people who claim to be Satanists and end up murdering people are not true Satanists. But that's such a fear word. Satanism. It's such a great shield to hide under. I draw kind of a weird line between Satanism and devil worship. I mean, would a true Satanist kill someone? Maybe, if pushed. But certainly not in a sacrificial sort of way. Leave that to the devil worshippers who have a different view of Satan and believe that blood, sac blood sacrifices have to be spilled to appease our dark lord. 
I'm not sure that's true. Read enough scripture, and you'll see who really enjoys a nice blood sacrifice. Now, as fans, we don't talk about Chris Benoit anymore. The WWE has practically erased him from memory. He'll never make the Hall of Fame, and he doesn't show up in their video games. I mean, he, he, he was a great athlete who did a horrible thing. And honestly, I'm still torn about the whole deal. I mean, what do I think happened? What does it matter? I think it's necessary to remember that Sullivan suffered some loss, too. It may have been his ex-wife, but there's still a weird kind of connection to that person, you know? So anyway, sorry, Sarah, I don't think Kevin killed the Benoits. I can't prove he was a Satanist any more than you can prove I once got drunk and joined the Church of England on a dare. But I think that mental illness and Christianity go hand in hand in some cases. Certainly not all. But I think that's what killed the Benoits, was a basic misunderstanding of scriptures combined with too many pile drivers and an overactive guilt complex. I think Benoit believed that God wanted him to kill his own family, and that's why he did it. And there you go. Boy, talk about ending the show on a bummer. Yeah, it happens. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. So now that we've depressed the living shit out of everyone, how about you go leave us a five-star review on iTunes? <laughs> right? Kiss the Goat made me cut myself. Five stars. <laughs> you, can also, you can also visit our online store at kissthegoat.weebly.com and check out our archived episodes and all kinds of stuff you can wear. Shirts, hoodies... Is there a shirt that says Don't discuss wrestling with X? No <laughs> And thank you for listening everybody I mean if we didn't touch on something You're interested in on this episode Then maybe you're better off Listening to NPR <laughs> Jesus Why would you suggest that What kind of a heartless bastard are you I just I thought I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for Kiss the Goat. Until next time, I'm Cootie. And my name is X. Hail, Hail Satan. Satan. And Kevin Sullivan. Stop it. I'm the governor of the West Coast. And I got to, got to, got to go. There's a robot. All right, I'm coming in five. Oh my god. Three. I didn't mean to Ric Flair in the middle of that. That's all right. It just came out. I was channeling. It's so natural. And Ric Flair just kind of came out. Ric Flair came out? He did. It's a good day for it, I reckon. Styling and profiling. Like I said, I mean... Oh, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who said anything about Cootie could speak? She's not human. <laughs> we just now taught her how to drive. The whole apartment is full of the stench of burning bra right now. It's amazing. Jenna was with the young woman when she experienced a seizure, which they treated as demonic possession. 
poor girl was deprived of proper com- Doing better this time than last time. That's true. <laughs> you enjoy watching horror films such as Rosemary's Baby or The Blair Witch Project. If you said yes to any of these questions... <laughs> any of these what? <laughs> questions. <laughs> My name is Jeffrey X. Martin. No. And I'm a certified dweeb and a bona fide geek. And you can't teach that! Oh god. <laughs> Why? Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. And you've just heard the bombastic. Bombastic. Call me Mr. Bombastic, Mr. Fantastic. Let me try that again, can I? Yes, all you have to do is fun time. You know that I'm the both. Fuck! Hello? There's my girl. Hi guys! Hello. Sorry for the uh, testicle difficulty. <laughs> I- I'm sorry for them too. <laughs> Is there something you want to tell me? <laughs> no, no, it just took me a little minute to get my fecal matter. Oh well, that happens. Computers, huh? Got a double dose on the puppy abysmal to really consolidate that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't have anything planned for the next couple of days after that's awesome. Okay. Just eat Brussels sprouts and Vaseline. You'll be fine. <laughs> you. <laughs> well, finally, why should our readers... <laughs> Sorry. And finally, our Grand Master Challenge. Drink every time you wish. Christine York would just... Shut the fuck. What? Shut. What did you do? I I didn't even mistype it. You had me rolling. I totally fell apart. Sorry. (laughs) 